Kieran. And I'm Eve. This is Kitchen Table Cult. We're two quiverful escapees talk about our experiences in the cultish underbelly of the religious right. Hey, Eve. Hey, Karen. How's it going? It's going. We're at the end of the year. We made it. How many years are in this year? It's like... I know. The f- it, this is like 2018 version 5. Yeah, it feels like it's been at least a decade, if not two. I have infinitely more gray hair already than I did when I started out this year. <laughs> if my hair was the kind of hair that turned gray, I would definitely have a lot. <laughs> like My mom started graying early, but... This is ridiculous. My grandmother started going gray when she was like 75. (laughs) So what are your New Year's resolutions for this year? Do you do resolutions? Like I kind of have like loose ambitions or goals that I want to do. I haven't really had like a really good set of specific things that I want to accomplish in a while. But I do this year kind of. Mm -hmm. They're still vague. Um, but like my kind of big overarching goals are like, I want to be able to make enough money that I can pay rent because right oh, now I can't <laughs> detail <laughs> and it's terrible. Um, I want to not stop being a human when school starts. Cause that's like a thing that I've noticed is happening is I just become absorbed into school and it's terrible for my brain. Is that like an ADHD hyperfocus thing, you think? I think it's, yeah, it's it's somewhat hyperfocused, somewhat being unable to focus, but always being stressed out. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, it's it's the really fun anxiety aspect of it that's just like, I can't calm down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to, like part of that is going to be figuring out how to like sleep better. So I'm asking about a sleep study because something is not working with how my sleeping is working. But the other thing that I really kind of want to like experiment more with is I want to have more sex with more people and like have more meaningful relationships. But like fitting that in with school is going to be like the trick. Yeah, and you need to schedule your like appointment with help. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So <laughs> gotta fit that in you too. Know, I have a lot to fit in this year, but like mostly my bigger, I guess, like if I were going to sum it up in a sentence, my resolution would be like learning how to take good care of myself. And That's really important. That. What are yours? I feel like this last year was me doing that. Was like so I this last year I like. Restarted therapy. I quit a toxic job slash was fired from a toxic job. Like, depends on who you ask. But honestly, that guy was abusive and it's really good that I'm not there. And I, like, all of my dating that I did was um, kind of based on does this detract from my writing and my ability to care for myself? And anytime I started feeling like I was losing my my balance in regard to that i just like backed off and that was hard but also really good Mm -hmm. um and i started doing emdr and i got blanche and um that was good and i i rearranged my house like twice to just like reset Mm -hmm. energetically the way things were which meant that i was doing a lot of deep cleaning in between stuff 
and I went gluten-free. So like those are, so I did like that kind of stuff this last year. I changed my meds. I went gluten-free. I like started hiking more. So I was like focusing more on like catching up on how to care for myself. Yeah. I got a, I got a Fitbit so I could study how I was sleeping, um, which taught me a lot. I was like sleeping like five hours a night. I think I'd been doing that for like a decade. And now now that I've like started doing EMDR and like adjusted my meds, I'm sleeping like eight or nine hours a night. That sounds awesome. Yeah. So it's really good. Um, The other thing that I, so in terms of like looking forward this year, I think I want to continue building on those tools. And like now that I've got those kind of rituals in place, I want to build off of them. Um, So I want to start like figuring out what I want to do like career wise after graduation, I want to try to sell my memoir, get an agent, mm-hmm. get a book deal. And um, I need to decide where I'm going to live. That's a big one. <laughs> yes. So I need, I need to decide if I'm going to stay in um, Southwestern Virginia in this like tiny mountain town, or if I'm going to like move back to Richmond or, try to start somewhere else in a bigger city where it's more expensive to, to be, which would require some, some downsizing. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I, there's a lot of different conflicting priorities, so I need to sort out what they are. Yeah, that makes sense. But I think probably answering the like job question is the biggest thing I want to write. The other thing I want to do this year is I want to explore more genres of writing. So I, um, I've been limiting myself pretty strictly to memoir in this program because that's where I've been directed by my mentors. But I also write poetry and fiction and um, I took a comedy writing class recently. So I want to like yeah retouch on those things. So um, I'm going to like mostly go dark for the next month finishing my thesis. And then after that, I want to like use the rest of the year to just like play with other genres. That sounds awesome. Yeah. I'm looking forward to doing... 30 and 30 again this year oh my gosh yes so if you um are a longtime friend of ours you know we do this uh 30 poems in 30 days thing every summer um we'll do it somewhere between april and august yeah um, it's a you, big window we really we yeah we do it we do it somewhere in the summer to based on like life rhythms and stuff um but we'll we'll make a, a private facebook group and then people can post their their poems, their drafts every day um, as a form of like, like both accountability, but also just like a way of encouraging each other. So everybody is like always commenting on, on your work and being like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Or like that gives me an idea for my poem or like I tried this thing because you tried this thing. And it's a really cool, like informal, um, low stakes writing group that we do. So if you want um, in on 30 and 30, Message one of us on Facebook and we'll add you to the next group. It's so good. It's the only time that I really actually remember to write poetry, but I've been doing it. I mean, we're going on six years at this point. Yeah. And I think that the thing is like some of us are like more quote, quote, serious poets. And some of us in that group are just like trying to exercise a different muscle in your brain that you're not usually using. So it becomes this um, like there's a it's a no judgment zone. Um some people will be very, very loose with it. We have a lot of kind of like Instagram style poems. And then we have some like super serious poets who are like playing with form. And mm-hmm. there's a space for all of it. And everybody is really affirming and encouraging. And there's really, um, there's no sense of like, you're not good enough or 
like this yeah. is bad poetry because we're all just drafting and we're all just like basically trying to shit out a poem every day. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be good. It just has to exist, which is mm-hmm. what's so perfect about it. And it's always been really good for me because I will have like one or two fragments of poems from that time that will turn into like more developed poems later in the year mm-hmm. as I like revise them. So it's always yeah. like it's a really good fertile ground. One of the first poems I wrote was like about my period or whatever. And that was a poem that I actually came back to this year mm-hmm. uh, to do my ritual with my uterus. And mm-hmm. I added a stanza to it at the end, just handwriting. And it was great. And it was just neat that like that was a thing that I'd written several years ago and was able to go back to because this was something that we've been doing for so long. Yeah, that's that's something that poets will talk about a lot where they will be like, don't ever throw anything away. Just like save it all and go back to it later. And I've heard poets like Billy Collins talking about like, oh, yeah, this poem I wrote it eight years ago, but I couldn't finish the last stanza. And then it came to me like last week. And here it is. Yeah, it's never it's never a waste. It's always just investing in in your creative self for the future. One of the things that is interesting for me about New Year's resolutions is I don't really take them very seriously because I um, I'm trying to like counter this whole like idea that we had growing up, which was like holiness theology. And um, when I first started leaving the cult, I started calling it legalism, which I think is like mm-hmm. the Christ- the Christianese version of of that. But I think it's I think it's a little bit more than just that. But it's like this obsession with perfection. And so trying to set these goals for myself and be like, you know, I I want to achieve X thing by May or this or that. Like it, it puts too much weird yeah. pressure and it yep. feels triggery. And I'm like, you know what? I, I have to take a totally different perspective on this. I have to do things that are like principles-based, not to-do list-based. And I have yes. to allow for life to happen and be flexible and not be hard on myself because I spent like 20 years of my life being insanely hard on myself. I mean, I'm still really hard on myself. My yeah. therapist is always like, hey, you're doing a lot of really good work. You're yep. working really hard. And I'm like, no, I could do more. <laughs> this is my problem as well. I'm still struggling with this, but uh, it's gotten a lot better. Do you do you have this problem? Is this a thing that you think about a lot? Yeah. No, this is also why, like, whenever I make goals of any kind, they are always very loose. They are not time-based like or time-constrained at all. And they're always more ideas than actual, like, steps. Like, I I can't have a goal of I'm going to, like, gain or lose a certain amount of weight or like eat a certain amount of thing or not eat a certain thing because it will stress me out because that's like a rule but if I have something vague like I want to take care of myself better then anything under that umbrella counts and it's fine and if I don't I don't ever approach it as like I fail if I haven't met this and that like my parents made us do goal planning or whatever Mm. at the end of the year and and they were always like and then you hold on to this and if you like meet your goals at the end of the year then I don't remember what happened but it was always like a big deal and like something that we felt bad about or I felt bad about. It was like some kind of reward for it or something. Yeah and like if I didn't make it or whatever it just like felt bad. Well and I remember thinking about like 
getting shown like in the children's book of virtues, which we've been talking about a little mm-hmm. bit lately. <laughs> um, it had like uh, George Washington and uh, his, his rules for conduct. And I think Ben Franklin had some something similar. So it was yeah. like these, these two lists of like how to be a good person. And it was like kind of held up as like, these are, are things to aspire to. They weren't particularly biblical, but in terms of like how to make those sorts of lists, they were kind of templates. Mm-hmm. We used to also like go through the various lists in the Bible, like love is patient, love is kind, those kinds of passages. And like, do a like are you doing these things are you this way like if you're not yeah. then how yep. do you make you know how do you change to like be that that quality that that godly quality did you do the um oh god i'm just remembering this are you, did you do the ati um character books we like experimented with them very briefly oh, there was like the deer and the beaver what was the deer was vigilance the beaver was diligence yeah or something yeah, yeah yeah we experimented with that like for a very short amount of time and my parents were like i don't remember what it was but my parents were like no this is like some other person wants too much control over over us so no <laughs> i mean <laughs> like, that's how my, is... that's how my parents were in general about gothard but yeah um but those workbooks definitely like made the rounds in our house as like character studies for like mm-hmm. how you should be thinking about yourself the other one that yeah. we had do you remember the Little Britches books? Yes. Why <laughs> you know where I, I'm going. Why, <laughs> like, wait, why does that, why do I remember this? Um, so They were basically like the male character version of like Little yeah. Girls on the Prairie. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Homesteader family in <laughs> I Colorado. Just, I just... And he like is like his father dies when he's really young and he becomes a rancher and all this stuff. But his father like whooped him at one point because he i don't know lied or something like that right, and as it was you like know. your character house you know like every action you do is like building onto this house or tearing it down what kind of house you know your house is going to be built oh, by the time you're 20 yep, 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 and like yep. then your character is set so you have to like right you because to, you like, don't you don't sure. change as you grow up like no. i'm here to tell you most of my growing and changing happened after i was 20 I mean, like, like, let's just like talk about how your brain is not done growing and right. developing until you're 25, at least. Like, what? Yeah. Yeah. So that was like, that was held up as like this ticking clock of like your character is going to be set by the time you're 18 or 20. So, you know, get it all in now. Yeah. What is it with that? Like to sidebar here, what is it with that mentality? Because my parents also kind of had that. And it was just sort of this like assumption that after you reached a certain age, you just stayed and didn't learn or grow or change or evolve. And you just like become hard set in your ways. And I have always found that to be bullshit. And I don't know where it comes well, from. <laughs> and, and it also like runs counter to the whole like you become a new man in Christ when you like right. take your life over. Like it really is not theologically sound. I think the where it comes from is the like neo Victorian ahistorical like idolization of that that particular uh, morality literature, like the parable yeah. stories and these like fairy tales right. kinds of things that were like designed to like scare you into being good. And the ones that I think, and I think the thing that like drove most of that is just life expectancy like yeah we're, we're not gonna die That's according to how point, most of us so uh why the fuck 
Anyway, the point is, we're not going to die at 40 or 45, so, like, yeah. also, like, that is not theologically real, which is, you know, pretty typical of stuff we got raised with. Yeah. And, like, psychologically speaking, it's not real. I listened to this really interesting podcast about a year ago where it was, I guess it must have been, like, one of the box explainer ones, but it was, like, looking at personalities and, like, if they're fixed... Mm-hmm. And, like, can a person really change? And so they were looking as a case study at, like, lifers in prison who, like, okay, so this guy, like, raped and killed someone when he was 21, but now he's, like, 50 or mm-hmm. 40. And, like, is he the same person at all? Like, he's, like, a community leader and, like, leading professional development workshops and, like, running an AA meeting. And, like, so is he the same guy? Should he get out? Like, what what gives? Mm-hmm. And... The conclusion that they came to, which I think is very salient and sound, is that your infrastructure is what dictates that consistency. So if you put yourself in a situation where you're surrounded by a certain kind of people and you keep those same kinds of people Mm -hmm. and they expect you to behave a certain way so you keep reinforcing those patterns, then you're going to be pretty consistent. But if you remove that and you have a different set, like a different framework around you with different expectations um it is very possible to change and like to truly change but it's always like a reaction to your environment and your infrastructure which is hilarious because i remember my parents telling me specifically that you are not like your environment doesn't matter and that like your your social construct and expectations around you aren't factors well isn't that like basic bootstraps like mentality manifest destiny crap yeah <laughs> like, like I mean, yeah you where you came from doesn't matter if you work really yeah, yeah. hard you cannot be poor right. yeah doesn't matter what you doesn't matter about redlining doesn't matter about predatory lending doesn't matter about racism doesn't matter yep. about you know like lack of any, access to medical care any factor in anything at no, all, it's all external. About your it is only you and your integrity yeah god damn it which, like, no, it's not how that works out here, actually. No, it's that's fake. Okay, so how do you, how do you evaluate yourself? Like, as like, I feel like the idea of being a good person is kind of fake on some levels. But yeah. if you were to like evaluate quality and moral character now, without like these new Victorian moralistic stuff and these bad biblical templates, like. Yeah. What would you, what would you use to like evaluate that kind of stuff now? Yeah, I mean, would I for yourself? I mean, let's that, just like keep, yeah. let's keep it on ourselves rather than yeah, yeah. other people. Yeah, that was something that I kind of really had to like grapple with after like deconverting and stuff. Was like now I have no moral compass, which is untrue. I do have a moral compass because you don't mm-hmm. need the Bible to have morals, but. Yeah, like the way. Oh my god! I guess but you have to have an like, a, high, a higher authority for that, Kieran. No, I real. I know, I know, I know. I'm so, I'm, <laughs> I'm so blasphemous and everything. I'm already but going no, to hell. But um, you know, I have more sex. <laughs> Might as right. well. I know. I mean, I have really great New Year's Eve plans involving that, and so I'm excited. Um, Good job. But yeah, so no, but I kind of, I kind of had to like evaluate like what my values are as like for myself as a person what what are the things that i find important and in my 
the way, like my mental framework of what makes sense of the world. What is an important quality to have? What are, what are things that feel hopeful and good? Are you afraid of like being wrong in your evaluations of those things though? Because I remember, I remember being like mortified and terrified of like, what if I'm wrong? What if I've like chosen the wrong side and all this? And then like, I deconvert and like, turns out, whoops, I did. Yeah, I was, I was nervous about that at first. And then um, I became more queer and more trans and was just like, well, I'm screwed either way. So, um, because like, going like if I suddenly realized, oh, Christianity is a thing, like if it's the same kind of Christianity I grew up with and like by default, I'm fucked. We can scratch right. that. Yeah. So I kind of realized that I learned a lot from my parents about what isn't good or isn't something that I consider good. And so my kind of moral framework is entirely based on like empathy and compassion mm-hmm. and raising up people who are oppressed and marginalized and basically the teachings of Jesus, but without the Jesus. Yeah. I think that's where I'm at too, is like, I'm no longer afraid of either reconverting to Christianity or my deconversion being wrong. If I go back to the church, I will always have a really good reason. I trust myself Mm -hmm. now and I will do it in a way that's healthy for me and not toxic for my community. I think what it comes down to is like learning how to trust my intuition Um, Mm -hmm. because I've had a lot of people get all up in my face about like, oh, wow, you've changed so much since, you know, college or since high school or whatever. Yep, yep. And one, everybody changes a lot since college or high school. Right. Just like, accept that. That's, that's the rule. <laughs> no matter what university you live in, like everybody changes. But the real thing that like gets me is that I, I don't feel like I have changed that much. I've grown more comfortable in my own skin, but I pretty much am still the same person who like, asks hard questions and interrogates things and wants to understand how things work and like really like pays attention to power differentials and is invested in like how do we help people who are marginalized and downtrodden and like I still love the same things I always loved like yep I'm still interested in like I mean all of the like housewifey shit I still like having people over and bringing them together and feeding them I still like feel responsible to like look out for people I have blood ties to. Mm -hmm. I still like love reading and knitting and like creating things and being out in nature. Like I really haven't like what I love and what I value hasn't changed that much. It's just the, the framework for um, expressing those things. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same way. Like I feel like all of the core of me is still there and has been here this whole time and is now just free mm-hmm. to exist instead of being repressed. Like I'm still, I'm still just as passionate about politics as I was when I was a teenager. <laughs> I don't know. I think you're I maybe mean, like the tiniest <laughs> little bit less passionate, but that's only because you're like more tired because now that you're an adult. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's really just the like actual bandwidth at this point. Yeah. But you know, and I still write and I still care about justice and all of the things that I always cared about, except that now I'm actually able to be all of myself. Yeah. 
Like the only thing that has changed and what, what's changed so drastically is that I am actually all of myself now. Yeah, and I think that's, that's what that's, people see as change. I think that's what it comes down to. It says, I'm not, I'm not scared of me anymore. Yeah. You can't. Which like, is huge, you can't actually. Frighten, you cannot frighten me into submission by being like, but what if you become this? Well, like, whoops, I'm already divorced and right. queer. And like, you know, sort of estranged from my father and like definitely estranged from church. And like, okay, like all the things that I was super scared of, like the worst already has happened. already happened. Yeah. Like it can only get up, go get better from here. Yeah, no, exactly. And I like, I remember even last year even earlier this year there was still some of me that was like afraid of myself and what would happen if i just like let all of myself out and Mm -hmm. nothing bad as it turns out (laughs) nothing bad will happen (laughs) if you do that i but like that fear of like not being able to trust yourself and like not like you are somehow inherently bad inside somewhere so you have to repress whatever it is that you feel needs to be repressed Okay, so how do you, do you still deal with that inner, like, critic, that, like, voice that that tells you that you're bad all the time? Like, how do you, how do you work against that in, like, ways that are not your cliche, like, Pinterest, white girl self-care? I, I tweet about it a lot. Mm -hmm. I, like, like, that's a lot, a large part of my process is... Because what will happen for me is it will just circulate inside of my head and then it just like buries itself and it buries itself into like my core eventually unless I can get it out. So I talk about it openly and that's why I'm so open is is I need it out of my brain. Yeah. Is that like journaling or is that like confessional? Like what is where does that fall for you? And it's sometimes it's more journaling. It's like. I will just have a long, my brain is shit thread on Twitter. And, so it, or I will just write in my journal or both sometimes. It does, it, so it doesn't really matter if you have an audience, you just have to get it out. Right, yeah, exactly. It just needs to be, and that's that's like the thing that I love about my therapist is I can just go in and just like dump my entire mm-hmm. brain on someone <laughs> who knows how to hold it and yeah. it's perfect and that's that's what i do because that's, that's what really my nice. brain needs is it just needs to not be constantly circulating it needs to be out and said and as soon as i write it like as soon as i write like i feel terrible because of this and i see it as a sentence and i'm like that's bullshit i don't have to feel bad about that which <laughs> is ba- i mean i think that's basically a variation on cognitive behavioral therapy i think that's like what that process is where it's like i'm stuck because i believe this thing and I have to write it out and be like is this thing real right is is this like rational oh no it's not okay so chill the fuck out right yeah and that's all i need sometimes is sometimes my depression i just need to realize oh this is just like depression lying to me and then i can move on with my life but i have to get there i do this thing that i've always done god i I did this back when i was like in high school and like a tiny john piper obsessed legalist um but it was i i the phrase i use is remind yourself of the things that are true and it's like okay so like let's take stock here and I feel really shitty about this because of all these reasons, but like what's true here? What is actually mm-hmm. like real? And like, hey, you've had like X amount of crap going on in your personal life. You've had this going on with family stuff. You've had like this financial anxiety. You've had that. You've had like deadlines. Mm-hmm. You've had, you know, uh, not an inability to sleep or, or whatever. Like 
you've been triggered. Like, yeah. Okay, so I can just like take a step back and be like, no, nope, I, I did enough. <laughs> like, I don't need to like obsess over this. Yeah. Because it's, I really have put in the work that I needed to put in. Yeah. I did that this week where I was like, um, so my, my thesis for grad school is due on February 11th and I, the first draft of it, like not the final, not final. Version, but <laughs> no, but the first draft of it. And I was like, oh my God, it's 150 pages. I'm freaking out. Like, I don't have this material. I have so much more to write. And I decided to count up everything I'd written in 2018 and I'd mm-hmm. written like 160 pages worth of material. Oh, well then. <laughs> so if I fine. just like turn that in, I'd be fine, but it doesn't yeah. all connect and I have to like tidy it up and do revisions. But right. like, but you have, have the pages. The, I have the pages and I'm like, oh, okay. So I can like not be hard on myself for taking like three days to go visit a friend and like calm down mm-hmm. and like rest a little bit. I don't have to like be beating myself up for like not working on this as hard as I think I should be. Yeah, something that my therapist has been trying to help me with is extending compassion to myself. Because yeah. I will I will ex- expend it to like I'll I'll give it to other people like whatever. I'm like, "No, obviously you're going through all of this stuff and it's really hard. Of course you're having a hard day. Of course your brain is being a dick. Like, of course you're right. feeling bad about yourself." But when when I do it, when when I'm having a hard time, when like this week I had like I lost seven vials of blood because I had labs and like that took me out for two days because that's mm-hmm. what happens when I lose blood. And I know this every time and every time I still get really upset about how much it takes out of me. And I feel like that's some kind of moral failing. And it's like if anyone else was having a hard time with like losing blood, I would just be like giving them Gatorade and shit. Like I mm-hmm. should extend that to myself because that's just how my body handles it. And it's fine. I got f- floored by a friend asking me a question last year when I was like going through a breakup and I was just like really spiraling out. And she was like, okay, but what would you do right now if you were trying to be a good friend to yourself? Mm -hmm. Like what would you do if this person who was going through this was a really good friend of yours? Yep. And I was like, Oh. <laughs> I'm like I know exactly what I would do. I know exactly what I would do, and it me. would be like it would be like totally the opposite of what I'm doing right to myself. Right yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, cool, got it. Yeah, <laughs> fuck my yeah. life. Yeah. I'm I'm a I'm a shitty friend to me, and I so it's been really yeah, good same. On that. I'm a great friend to everybody except myself. So, right. well, I think that's part of why like we work really well together as we were able to be like, Hey, stop. Like yes. <laughs> we're taking this week off so we can do finals. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to, we're able to like be each other's breaks on this kind of thing. Yeah. Which is really good. <laughs> it's really nice. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, all right. Well, should we, should we take a quick break and go to some listener questions? Yes. Or do you have anything else you want to add? No, I feel like we covered a lot of it. I think compassion is my theme this year. Yeah, compassion towards yourself. Yeah. Mine is ambition based on a platform of compassion. Yeah. Ooh, that's going to be hard. I know. (laughs) Okay, um, we'll come back in a minute and we'll do some questions from our listeners. Welcome back. We have some questioners 
questioners, questions from our listeners. <laughs> I mean, they're not that different. Yeah. Questioners. Um, at least I didn't say readers this time. <laughs> like I usually do. Writing problems, really. <laughs> it's reading um, the words that you're hearing out of my voice. Yeah. <laughs> Read my lips. Yes, that you can't see. Yeah. So um, one person asked about our perspective on divorce and how it's changed. Yeah, since since getting divorced. Yeah, I feel like we've talked about this a little bit. Before. Yeah, we've like talked, we've like hinted at it and talked about it briefly. I think in one of the earlier episodes. Yeah, I I feel like my perspective on divorce has changed a whole lot since getting divorced. Yes. Um and. But more so, not just because of myself getting divorced, but more because um, when I got divorced, I had to really like reset and recalibrate all of my assumptions about relationships and what they were. Yes. And how they should work. And yeah. that's why I went into the non-monogamy route. And um, the answer that I came up with is like, <laughs> I mean... Go read Jessica Valenti's Purity Myth. I keep talking about this book. It really, like, fucked me up five years ago. The way marriage worked is directly tied to the history of capitalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's about, yeah, it's, exactly. It's, like, the reason virginity exists and the reason marriage exists in a certain way is to ensure blood heirs for property transfer yep. down the line. So, like, <laughs> marriage, like, use it for what is useful to you <laughs> like right if, if you need stability there's nothing wrong with that and if you need a, like companionship there's nothing wrong with that but like it's not the be all end all and divorce mm-hmm. is like difficult and complicated and messy yeah. and no two stories are the same and you never know everything that went on but yep. it's also not the end of the world yeah and it yeah never that be treated was like, like that my parents had this like their their idea about divorce was that divorce was basically the unforgivable sin. Yeah. So <laughs> I got divorced. <laughs> divorce is not an option was like my dad's line. It's just ironic because that's when I think anytime you tell life like this is not going to happen to me or I'm mm-hmm. never going to do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Life yeah. kind of goes, yeah, like, yeah, fuck yeah, you. Yeah, sure, okay. <laughs> and yeah. and it happens. Um, I, so that's why I don't make these absolute claims of, like, I'm never going to do that or I would Same. never this. Because yeah. I've been wrong so many times that I, I would rather just, like, take things on a case-by-case basis and right. not, like, assume that that's how it's going to be. Yeah, no, I'm the same way. And yeah, so like I went into marriage, obviously, with all of the like, this is supposed to last forever and you're going to have like this one person for life. And um, like my parents never had married friends and like having friends was seen as threatening, um, like within marriage. So it was just basically like you and this one other person. And that is toxic and terrible and not healthy. Well, I mean, it's, it's not enough. It's not enough of a social life to be right. a, a well-rounded and balanced person. That's like right. creating an echo chamber where you fight a lot. Right. Exactly. So it's just, it sets you up for like the way I learned how to be married sets you up for a lot of just like not fun stuff. So wait, are you saying that 
purity culture and marriage sets you up for divorce rather than dating. It really does. And at least <laughs> like with dating, you learn what works and what doesn't work for you and what your needs are. And, and sometimes it's like stuff you didn't expect. I, I've had so many situations where I'm like dating someone who looks perfect for me on paper and something about it is just like my gut's going like, nope, stop, stop, yeah. stop, 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 stop. Yeah, and you learn and you learn to listen to yourself and and you learn that like you know yourself better than other people because the way I learned marriage was extremely codependent and like your spouse would know you better than you know you which is not how things should work. But um, first Jesus <laughs> needs to be the first one and then your spouse. Come on. Right. <laughs> okay, so this kind of relates to our second question which is about um polygamy and the question was kind of if Quiverful is all about like having as many kids as possible, then why are Quiverful families not basically doing the old school Mormon thing and like having multiple wives? Because God says marriage is between one man and one woman, so you have to be monogamous. You can't just where, have multiples of them. Where does I don't God know say where. That? I don't know. I don't remember. Does the Bible actually say that? There was all right. There is some verse somewhere that alludes to it, but there's it's like not a Pauline, that. It's there's not a that Pauline, specific. There's a Pauline epistle that hits on that, but I don't think it's that specific. Yeah, no, it's not that specific. It's just that's that's how it's taken. <laughs> I think it's. I think it was like kind of this addressing like don't neglect your wife. Oh if yeah. You're going, if you're going yeah, to no, be doing other things, no, it's also completely out of context. It was like a. It was like a don't don't financially abandon your first yeah. wife if you're going to like go pl- play around. I think right. that's kind of how it was. I could be wrong. Somebody yeah. can correct me. I mean, like, people also use it to say that gay marriage is wrong and being queer is a sin. Like, it's that same place, which hey guys, is also out of context. Hey, guys, just so you know, the reason Sodom and Gomorrah got burned was not because they were having a lot of gay sex. Right. Sodom and Gomorrah was burned because they were bad hosts and they were not okay with yeah. feeding travelers. <laughs> But no, no, it's it's the it's the butt stuff. Yeah, it's the butt stuff. Um, okay, speaking of butt stuff, <laughs> I like the, how our transitions are just so perfect today. Uh, there's this this school that I, I kind of consider the asshole of Virginia, <laughs> and it's called Liberty University, and uh, it's really near where I live. And uh, you want to talk about this question? Yeah. Uh, well, it wasn't really a question so much as like, by the way. Um, did you see this news? Yeah, did you see this news? Uh, okay, catch us up. Yeah, so apparently, and I'm looking for whoever the new uh, person is, uh, Carrie Kupek is now the director of the Office of Public Affairs at the Justice Department, went to Liberty, uh, <laughs> which is Falwell's school, and uh, also was a huge part of the Alliance Defending Freedom organization. What is the Alliance Defending Freedom? And have we ever talked about them ever before? Uh, yeah, we have talked about them when we were Quite talking about HSLDA. Uh, they're terrible. Um, so ADF <laughs> is ADF is is considered a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center. Yep. And we talked about them in our episode, I think it's like three or four, where it's uh, the conspiracy is real. Yep. Um, and the founder of HSLDA slash founder of Patrick Henry College is the president over at ADF. And they are mm-hmm. the ones that are basically flooding the court system with all these like low-level religious liberty cases 
in order to work them up into the Supreme Court to try to dismantle various um, religious freedom protections in order to um, allow Christians to be bigots, basically, legally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And only Christians, not (laughs) anyone else. No one else. Because, like, the second a gay baker refuses to make a wedding cake for a cishet couple. A straight couple. Yeah. (laughs) Like, they will be up in arms about discrimination of whatever kind. Religious discrimination, it's like, my dude, no. I mean, honestly, like, this is not super surprising. This is, like, par for the course. This is what they've been planning for this whole time. Yeah, like, she's and she's off as a public affairs, so she's probably just, like, doing press releases and and statements. Yeah, keep an eye on it. You're you're watching for the right stuff. This is important and, um, you know, part of the larger picture. Yeah, yeah, and they are extremely here for coming after the queers. That is their focus right now. Queers and reproductive rights are just like yeah, their target. Yeah, it's it's not it's not good. Yeah, so that's going to be an exciting thing to watch in 2019 is everything that goes down with the DOJ right now because this is also the Trump administration is asking the DOJ to interpret their rules as not including trans people under sex and all of Which that. Which we covered in the last episode. Yep. So what do you, do? You, if you have a, a crazy, like outlandish, informed prediction for 2019, what would you predict? Well, I feel like a lot of things are mostly going to end up stalled because we have the House. We don't have the Senate. So we can't, mm-hmm do a lot of reversing things but we can do a lot of stopping things from happening so i think like the aca stuff that is trying to happen some of that will probably get through and make things terrible but i think a lot of the really terrible stuff will be stopped at the house level or at least filibustered and blocked and paused i like i feel like we can kind of like mitigate damage but we can't undo much I kind of wonder if we're going to see more shutdowns happening um, on the, like, initiated by the Democrats because of how this one has been handled. Maybe. Yeah. Like, state, like, just like, like, abusive statement political, you know, gestures like that. Where yeah. It's like all of these low level workers are getting hurt by this, um, but it proves a larger point. Yeah. I feel like a lot of it. Honestly, I think, like, the House is going to be the place to watch. I think a lot of it is going to, like... Because we got a bunch of really cool, new, radical lefty people in the House who want to do things and make stands like that. So it'll be interesting to see if they can do that or not. Or if they wind up doing it. Yeah, I think that will be interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk to you guys again in the new year. Yeah. Uh, Be safe. Drink responsibly. Drink water. Use, use protection. Drink water. Drink water. Uh, use protection. Your, use lube. Take your, take your vitamins and, uh, yeah, use lots of lube. These <laughs> 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 are important right. things to remember. Yep. They are important things to remember. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Bye. Bye.